This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hi guys, uh, welcome to another episode of We Are Curious. And uh, for those who have already joined us on Telegram, thank you so much. Uh, we, we really, really appreciate uh, you joining us and giving us your feedback. Today we want to talk about a few things. We want to discuss NFTs and uh, the digital art that's going for over 69 million USD. We also want to talk about um, other things that are happening within the African space like Flutterwaves Unicorn and um, the saga between Mobius and Kere and essentially how taxes are impacting businesses. Welcome to today's session. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Davis Kadinji and I'm glad to be here with you today. Hi everyone, my name is Eric Asuma, happy to be here today. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Felix Ocheng. Um, I'm with you guys here today. Last week I wasn't in, but I'm glad to be back and join the team as we go through another section of curiosity. Okay, what was Salamu Amemaliza? Let's talk about the Flutter with Unicorn. So uh, I guess it's the biggest news in, it's the biggest news in African startups. Of course, as our energy correspondent Nyawira Thairu comes in, so uh, the Flutterwave, the Flutterwave um, Series C funding is what pushed it to to over one billion in the total amount of funding raised. What does this mean for entrepreneurs in Africa? Asuma. Great. Uh, I think it's a validation for founders or people building products in Africa. I think what Flutterwave has managed to do in a very short while. Uh, it's quite uh, commendable. Uh, I think I was looking at the numbers. They did about nine billion in nine billion USD in uh, in, in in total nine billion USD in total revenues. I think in twenty twenty. Compare given that they are only about is it five years old? Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. and I think they have, they have done quite a good job. Uh, my comments on that or my take will be. I can't imagine if, if Flutterwave is a B2B fintech company. And I think when you look at the African continent, most of the fintech startups that have, have such huge valuations are actually uh, fintechs in the B2B space. I when I imagine of kind of valuations that can, can come out of a B2C companies uh, in the future, I think it will be, it will be massive. So I think that they've done a good job. Uh, I, I commend them for that, Felix. Yeah, and then maybe also just to really put it into perspective, Ali, I think it's it's important that we as as Africans and as entrepreneurs, not only in Africa, but across the world, it's time when we start understanding that the moment you bring in a viable product to the market, we are going to have everybody generally um, look for you and invest in that idea. So um, at, at whatever level you are in, if you're an entrepreneur, what this message is really giving you is that one thing that you can decide and, and do today is the moment you decide to bring in a product, you know very well that that's something that's going to work into play and that's something that's going to be able to uh, to really, um, in, in general, just give you a little bit of, um, of, of investor opportunities. So don't only look at it from a point of... If, if Flutterwave raised um, a certain level of, of, of aspect, for me, I, I'm, lo- I'm always looking at it from a point of how many African startups are out there that can be able to achieve a unicorn status um, out there? I believe we have a lot. We have plenty and more of them. This is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Africa has a lot of potential and we are likely to see many other opportunities really open up into the market. Uh, how many startups that have achieved unicorn status can you think of that we have in Africa? Uh, maybe I think, I think apart from um, Flutterwave, Maybe I think we can also just look into about cheaper cash. Not really, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, I uh, I can only think of uh, Interswitch, which I don't think it's really a startup. It's been mm-hmm. 
It's been uh, there for a while. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, I believe we're waiting on Hisa to be. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, guys. We, and and by the way, if you if if you if you're listening to this podcast, you can always be able to follow markets as well on Hisa. Um, I know Ali will be able to touch on Hisa later on as we go through the session. Yeah, I mean, on, back back to the startup conversation, Jumia. Yeah, Jumia, well. Jumia, Jumia is an African unicorn. Yeah. Again, depending on what what you define African, I think it's been it's been something that's been very 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 contentious. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, when I look at the flutter waving a unicorn, again, it points out to what's happening currently in general. I mean, look look at it this way: mm-hmm. Savannah Fund was it? I think yesterday or two days ago announced that they're launching a twenty five twenty five million Africa tech seed fund. And then um, I think a few weeks was it last month, Uncovered Fund also announced uh, announced a similar amount. Actually, not a similar amount really, but it announced a fifteen um, million fund also to support early stage uh, startups in pre seed, seed, and Series A, giving ticket sizes of up to around five hundred k. I think I think it echoes back to what Felix says. There is this there is this growing interest towards sub-Saharan Africa and specifically products that show great potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that was actually a good move on their part. Uh, so they're hoping to touch on specific focus areas that includes fintech, edtech, logistics, um, software as a service, e-commerce, and it's good to see that there is this much investment with regard to African startups and I'm really hopeful and really long to see the companies that are invested in and how the space actually um, pans out in a sense, yeah. My, my thing would be like a very, a very, uh, a question that comes from a very green, green knowledge perspective. When you say unicorn status, what do you refer to? Or how do you classify a startup to achieve the unicorn status? So uh, generally, the unicorns are startups that are being valued at over a billion dollars in terms of valuation. So generally, whenever we're talking about startups that are achieving um, unicorn status, doesn't necessarily mean that their revenues are at one billion as at that time, but their valuations um, could be uh, at at one billion US dollars and above. From, from a VC standpoint, right? Yes. I think now that, now that we are on local news and businesses that are developing Mobius. Mm. I know, I know, Davis, this is a topic that you've, you've, you've really, really, really wished for. What is happening between Mobius and Kerios? Uh, well, <laughs> Kerios has given Mobius quite the tax demand of um, 73 million Kenya shillings. Now, right. Mobius has fought back and said that if they were to actually pay this particular tax demand that they would have to declare insolvency because their liabilities are somewhere along the lines of 400 million. Yeah, it's actually 434.3 million. That was as of the year ended uh, December 31st, 2019. But now that had actually deteriorated even more to 649 million Mm. um, in... August 30th of 2020, and you have to realize that uh, there's also a shareholder deficit of 300 million. So it would really adversely affect them if they were to actually pay that tax charge. So um, what happened is that there was a suspension of that decision by the court, uh, so long as Mobius could provide a bank guarantee of um, 40 million within 60 days. Uh, but, but but then come on, guys, who's going to? Which which bank is going to offer Mobius that guarantee? I think that's that's one thing that we'd really love to see how how it plays out. Uh, but then personally, I would feel bad and sad seeing Mobius um, go down. I think this is one of the, as much as it's not the luxury brand that most of us have always uh, dreamed of, but I think this is one of those really um, awesome Kenyan um, companies that I thought and I still believe have a little bit of a future. In, um, in, in at, at least in terms of um, uh, the, the 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 automobile industry space, so that's one thing that because um, why would we support and and this is absolutely in in honest faith um, what backup and what tax um, incentives do we have for for the Volkswagen plant 
um, here as well in Kenya and at the same time we have a lot of tax issues that is going with our company that's locally founded and that's Mobius. So I believe that's one, that's, that's my concern is how often will we be giving other companies, global, com global companies a little bit of a leverage and we're not giving the same leverage to the local um, competition. Mm -hmm. Yes. Does that tell much about our tax tax environment in terms of is it really accommodating local companies, especially the manufacturing industry? In my opinion, not really. I think um, I think our our government the tax level in Kenya is 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 sort of it's been built to tell us that it's aggressive mm -hmm. uh, and not repressive to some sort. Um, where we are seeing the government is always trying to put it out that we are only we are taxing you depending on your level of income, even if it's in terms of companies, in terms of uh, individual taxes. But in my opinion, I think it gives a very poor implementation of also tax policies, mm -hmm. because if KRA is saying that this the tax that um, Mobius is probably owing to KRA right now that these have been accrued over time, mm -hmm. then what tax collection policies do we really have? Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, I think at this time and at this age, we are not really supposed to have ages where you can go one year and KRA doesn't see that you have a tax liability. Mm -hmm. Immediately the financial year comes to an end, I believe the government is supposed to have a list and actually kindly follow up. You cannot leave Mobius to start operating all the way from 2014. Mm -hmm. Seven years to for seven years and then you come in on the seventh year and then you start asking them for taxes uh, so that's one thing that I believe maybe the government would really really need to improve on something interesting but let's see how let's see how it plays um, I'm hoping that uh, the court will 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 see faith on Mobius and the main challenge that we've also had is that the tax tribunal is really not understanding um, in my opinion the government is always looking to raise revenue and whichever way we have, there are very little instances where we are seeing um, the government win on uh, the government probably play a win. Sorry, where there are very few instances where we are seeing individuals um, take a lead on the, at the tax tribunal. Most of the time, it's always the taxman who's winning. So to some extent, the government is looking for funds, and that always puts the tax tribunal to be sidelined towards one side, which is KRS side. Yeah, actually, to add on to that, the situation will get much worse. Um, in light of our... <laughs> no, not, not for Mobius, but for companies. I hope people are, are paying your taxes and you're cognizant of the taxes that you're paying. Because what will happen going forward because of stagnating revenues and the fact that interest expenses on debt are increasing. Um, among the things we should know that a large portion of the debt um, or of the money that the government is collecting, a lot of it goes to both... Um, interest expenses on foreign loans, so paying back our debt, and then it also goes towards uh, what's this recurrent expenditure. And the interesting thing is, even though this is illegal, but then again, who follows the constitution, is that the government actually takes loans and then they use those loans mm -hmm. to pay back old debt, you know, <laughs> which is a saddening state of affairs. Then this will actually get worse. The revenues will be more and more strained. And so what the government will do is they'll increase taxes. As they increase taxes, businesses will opt, okay, we need to reduce, um, let's say, our employee count or we need to, you know, do cost-cutting measures, etc. When businesses do this, see, they fire employees. So now the amount of um, money that can be collected as taxes reduces. Sindio. So what will the government do? They'll increase taxes again. And the cycle continues and continues. Um and it's likely to end in a recession if things don't change uh, anytime soon, which is unfortunate. So I'd advise people, really take careful note of your taxes. Kerry will really start chasing after people and be cognizant of the different taxes that are there. You see, like if it's, um, what is it? Is it turnover tax? Done for 1%. Minimum tax. Oh, minimum tax, yeah. So if it's that, be cognizant of that. If you have to pay the 30%, be cognizant of that, etc., etc. And <laughs> yeah, you, you won't have issues with Kerry. I mean, okay, I think that, that again, you know, when you talk about business taxes, it kind of brings back to the idea conversation that we had. Even if you decide to, you know, totally be cognizant and, you know, perform your, your responsibility as a Kenyan, 
or as a company operating in Kenya to pay to pay your taxes on time and you know as per the amount do you really really think our tax environment is favoring the manufacturing sector i i wouldn't say so actually sorry about that yeah um actually manufacturing as a what as its percentage contribution towards gdp i think one of the aims of the jubilee government was to increase its contribution to 15% its contribution has actually gone down, which is unfortunate. When it's telling of um, the economic policies, it's telling of the economic environment, it really is a sad state of affairs. Actually, with regard to the manufacturing sector, it's almost as if we've exported manufacturing. We've given it all to the Chinese <laughs> and let Kenyans' companies really suffer, which is unfortunate. Well, um, generally, I think in my opinion one thing that we'd really be looking at is let's let's look at the real numbers at the end of this five year period um i know that there are a lot of challenges that our government has faced and and maybe just to for the first time i'm going to support the president in something <laughs> uh, just as he said today a lot of economies globally really took a hit in and across every sector so as much as we're looking at we're looking at it from one angle Let's also look at it from a global perspective. Some of these things were a little bit un- unprecedented for. Uh, they were unexpected, like the, the impact of COVID-19. So let's probably look at how the numbers in 2021 are going to be, how the few measures that we are having are likely to probably spur more growth. And let's see how many companies are going to come up. I believe we still have um, resilient companies, even despite the, the heavy taxation that we are going through. But I, I think it would be interesting to just see how far this is going to go. You know, uh, speaking of companies and resiliency, Homeboys brings the profit warnings to 19 so far. Felix, is it going to get any worse? In my opinion, <clears throat> I have to clear my voice for that. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think Homeboys as a company uh, and maybe I would give Eric, who who's in the media uh, sector, then so, I know media and entertainment usually they 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 are they are sisters. But in my opinion, I think um, during the launch when when Homeboys was listing on that day, on um, I was there, um, and I remember Mike had mentioned uh, Mike Rabar had mentioned that let us not expect their numbers to be as sustainable. Um, and he mentioned that the, the entertainment sector is very volatile. Mm-hmm. He also noted with a lot of concern that COVID-19 had really impacted their business. He mentioned that projects and, and uh, projects that they used to do, uh, an example is the, 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 the Beyond Zero campaign mm-hmm. that, that, that they used to do, I think, something like that. They, they used to organize the entire event and all that. Uh, most of that didn't happen all through all throughout last year. Right. And I think it's the profit warning comes in handy, I believe. Um, coming in at a time when most companies have also issued their profit warnings. My, my real uh, concern about Homeboys would be on the sustainability, uh, probably the long-term uh, aspect that this company is really looking into. Just hoping that the company is likely to, to at least make a jump in terms of returns. They, they look not only at, at local market level, but also... Uh, regional and also hopefully they would go the equity way which is going um, continental uh, so that's something that I'd be but I'd, I'd really want to Eric if you can share your thoughts on what you think homeboys is really about do you think it's what, what are the futures is it another home Africa and somebody has just asked about <laughs> home Africa um, but I'll just give home Africa as an example interesting so I think before homeboys listed Initially, people thought of Homeboys as an entertainment and a media company. Yes. But in their prospectus, I think they clarified that Homeboys, the listing company, is a pure entertainment company. Yes, the media company. The media company, which is the Homeboys Radio, they don't actually own that. Yeah. But the directors have a common shareholding. So part of that, a majority of the shareholding of Homeboys Radio was actually sold to Radio Africa Group. Yes. So the directors of Homeboys have a, 
it's significant but not majority stake in the Homebrews region. The list, the, the company that listed as, uh, is totally different from. Uh, so the company that listed is an events events management company. So they do events, DJ, providing various uh, events. Uh, it's generally a services company. And when you look at their revenues for the previous year, they had a turnover of around 311 million, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Out of this turnover of 311 million, more than half was from was generated from managing events. And, uh, and, and mm -hmm. under that particular segment I was actually hit by the pandemic and we don't expect to see say uh, the events return as they were at in, 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 in the short term, right? Definitely. So in terms of my expectations about the company from a revenue perspective, uh, maybe in the, if, if, if everyone is vaccinated and things go back to normal, mm. in which we don't know how long that will take, maybe. Uh, but from a listing perspective, I think it's good to have an entertainment company in the NSE. Uh, and it's also good to make clear to our listeners that the, the shares aren't act, aren't actively you cannot for buy the shares right now. So the NSE clarified and said uh, they'll be available for trading in the course of the year. But let's see when they list and probably in the future. But uh, and they start trading. Yeah, uh, of course I'm rooting for local companies. I, I wish them all the best. But from a business perspective, yeah, the, honestly, they, they don't inspire confidence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll give you an example. As in of Imagine of the gross, gross profits, yeah, fifteen percent. That's thirty million just went to salaries to the directors. Now, as a shareholder, this money should be <laughs> okay. It's that technically they're the only shareholders. Yeah. But if you're a prospective shareholder, you'd see the fact that these are really strongholds um, upon that company with regard to the specific directors. So if they could sort of add to the board, add um, better co corporate governance policies and the like, I think it would be a better company for more prospective shareholders. Um, and also they have risks. Um, for example, as you've mentioned, the COVID really affected them, but then also a lot of their revenues are tied towards large clients, which if they do not receive revenues from those particular clients, or if those particular clients um, cut their contracts, that's significant portions of their revenues going down. So their prospects do not seem all that great. And also looking at the past years, you'll notice that their earnings really fluctuate. They're not constant nor consistent. Yeah. That's not exactly a company I personally would invest in. And, 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 and I think just to add on to what Davis has said, that's the riskiest bit about investing in some of these volatile companies. Today, this year you've made profit. The next year, you guys are in, in losses. There's a profit warning that's coming through. Um, so that would be a major concern. And maybe one, one of these fine days, we, we're really hoping to see how the real financials uh, will really play at, at the end of this um, entire period. I think what we can do, probably one of these findings, is to invite the CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think, Mike, it. Mike, it's always, Mike is always easy to get. Well, we can yeah. always be able to try and reach out to him and see. I hope now that they've listed the company, they don't really, um, uh, they, 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 he won't change and, and become a hard, hard, hard guy to find. Uh, now, um, just to mention a little bit on Home Africa. I know we mentioned that earlier on. Yes, um, I know there are a lot of questions that are coming in from the Telegram channel, but maybe just to mention a little bit about um, Home Africa. I'm seeing Chuck has said on the Telegram channel that um, we mentioned Home Africa and he burst out into laughter. I think one thing that we need to agree on is when we're talking about the company that came into the market with giving investors hopes like, um, like no other company, um, in, in, in recent times, at least over the past decade, I think Home Africa was the company. Uh, <laughs> but they listed at a price of, was it 15? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's now at 0. It's, what? It's at about 0. Point something. <sighs> You'd have lost nearly 100%, my goodness. <laughs> so I think, I, I think that's, that's one point of concern. I know Eunice wants to mention something about Home Africa. Um, maybe Eunice, you'd say something? No, I'll wait for the energy sector. <laughs> okay, but I think if you're looking on fundamentals for Home Africa, 
from an honest opinion and once again remember this is not an advice to buy or sell a security but home africa from an honest opinion is the fundamentals are really bad at this moment um, and it would really take a hard one uh, for the company to really make a turnaround and, and and give investors back their value now for now if you're buying home africa if you're a shareholder my opinion is you you're trading on volatility you are a spec you're your speculator on the stock market so to speak um yeah and actually to, to mention on that among the unfortunate things that we see people do is that they look at the share price and determine that this is cheap now cheap is expensive in the stock market because <laughs> you can buy a company that's trading at 10 and that company drops to to one to or one. to bankruptcy while a company that's trading at 100 you may find that it rallies to a thousand and it's not even at the overvalued or anything it's just that it has strong uh, good strong prospects going forward so it's better to focus on yes while this stock may appear expensive with regard to what it's trading at there's possibly a reason as to why there's a reason why people value it that highly and presumably these are rational investors they've done their fundamental analysis and okay don't actually now buy it just because it's expensive. <laughs> Do your own good analysis and see um, is this stock worth buying? Are its future prospects good? Uh, yeah, and it will help you avoid bad companies that will make you lose all your money. Uh, Davis, when, when you talk about expensive stocks, I always get to think of Limuruti as, as a company because um, we really know what really what's holding Limuruti at prices of about 400, 500 at trading price levels um but maybe that's a discussion for another day we'll be able to touch on that um uh, with davis when we talk about markets what's really what's really uh, sustaining um limuruti so maybe i just yeah sorry there's another company that trades at 1500 i don't think it's Kuritu. ever eh, the one that owns some piece of land yeah Kuritu <laughs> traded only once from listing only one trade from what? since since it, it listed yeah but anyway God is to man, to man is to God. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I know Ali has been silent. I, I, I have because, you know these things, I, I prefer to listen more when it comes to markets. Um, I feel like we, can't, we cannot move away from markets without talking about NMG, which, which as Felix says, it's been ping-ponging in the past few, few days. We, we all know that NMG surged because of news of buyback and went all the way to, was it 20 what? Uh, NMG, NMG traded all the way up to about 25. 25, yes. Yeah. 25, 15. And then today, well, it closed at uh, what price? Mm. So today, uh, when you check on Hisa Hub today, <laughs> NSC closed at uh, 19 shillings and 55 cents. NMG. And, yeah. It was up by around eight by eight point zero one percent. Right? Yes. Yes. So speaking of NMG, a tricky call. Look. Eric, you're in the media business. Tell us what's happening with your um, friends. Look, I think we should expect NMG to release their results in the next few weeks. I think it's this month or next month, if I'm not wrong, right? And usually when you look at the business model model of NMG. A big chunk of their revenues is from the print side of things. But now when the pandemic hit that change, I think we should expect to see that their revenues were hit hard, extremely, I think they've been hit. Uh, but they have a strategy of going digital. In my own opinion, uh, it's, it's hard to tell if it's working or not. But I think they, they mentioned that they have about 240 subscribers. I don't know, I don't know what that means. Yeah, hopefully if they are paid subscribers, that would bring in good revenue. Yeah. I don't think it's paid. Oh, yeah. it's not? It's no, no, you, you, you pay right now. NMG has a paywall. The paywall? Yes, yeah, they have a paywall. There, there's a difference between subscribers hmm. and paying yes, so. subscribers. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. what Please they clarify. began an earlier campaign of trying to sensitize people to subscribe. So I'm assuming you went to their website, you click on an article, you read one or two when you read the third one they tell you you have to subscribe yeah to access that content right yeah. so they'll count you as a, they'll count they'll count you as a subscriber but not a paying client the paying clients they began i think that drive about three weeks ago and i hear the numbers are quite good i don't know how good i think the, the 
the question is how, how does the long run look if they can beef up the editorial team generate original content that goes across the continent uh, make payments much easier micro payments for content i think there's an opportunity um but then just to mention now on the on on the stock performance uh i'm just looking onto the charts and i think uh, looking on the rsi indicator for nmg it's still almost on the territory where it was where it was uh, seen as overbought mm-hmm. uh, the last time nmg hit an overbought um price was at about september last year I think the price was also just within the same levels where it is right now. That's the point when NMG had rallied from a point, a price of around um, around 10 shillings mm-hmm. all the way up to 19. Um, and right now, NMG hit um, RSI, I think one of the highest on the NSE this year, uh, going up um, slightly into way into overbought territory. Right now, the RSI indicator dropped down to about 50. But even still at the levels of about 50 because rsi for the market to really term nmg as oversold then it needs to be at a, at an rsi of, of below 30. Uh, so that's one thing i'm, I'm seeing nmg still at around 65. so my opinion is nmg today was just a rally um, a mini rally nmg the drop might come the drop might not come i don't know who wants to call shots on nmg Eunice. Eunice, you want to call shots on NMG? Do you think it's going to rally? Just yes or no, quick one. Yes. Yes, Ali? I'm actually optimistic of, uh, on, on, on NMG and, the, and their whole turnaround strategy. Specific. I feel like payroll, yes, but then the, their pricing is, is quite accommodative. Yes. And, and honestly, I feel like payroll is where global media is going. And it was, it's only a matter of time until they caught up specific especially after COVID-19 really really hit ad revenues which were already bad before COVID. Also with the ease of accessibility to pay with the paywall so you mm-hmm. can jump into Mpesa and I think they're charging how much per year subscription? 750? Yeah, yearly. Wait, let me check. Yeah. I, but I think they have done a good job. If you look at it from an investor's perspective, uh-huh. Felix, you know very well around when we had the last bull run around 2014, 2015, uh-huh. NMD was trading at over 300. Yes, yes. and, 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 and yes. maybe... I've, I've got it. They're, they're charging 750 annually. for 12 annually access. Awesome. And four weeks, 150, that's a month. Then 50 bob for a seven-day access and 10 bob a day. So, like, it's very easy if they can market it very well to get valuable returns on that. But now, talking about paywalls, um, Star Media Group actually started um, give, put, giving, giving guys a paywall earlier before NMG as much as it was their site. If you're, at N, if you're at Standard Group, my personal opinion for the group, man, you guys need to improve on that website. Nation Media Group did a good job, even if they're asking us to pay for the content, at least the site is pleasing. Um, I'd really like like to see how Standard Group would report their, their half year earnings mm-hmm. and see just how the, the, the paywall will be able to, to perform. Maybe from that we can be able to compare as well mm-hmm. what to expect with, with, with Nation Media. Um, but so, Ali, you call shots on NMG as I a yes? Yes. Asuma? No, look. <laughs> <laughs> so, from my understanding of the media, uh-huh. expect nothing's meaningful from these digital strategies from these media houses. Uh-huh. Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, okay. That feels like a lot of honesty. Because you can't compare the kind of revenues that they got from print adverts to the digital side. On print, uh, let's, let's, let me give I think uh, an example that I've always given you, Davis. Hmm. For every print advert, Per page you charge, let's say, a million, mm. right? Between 700k to a million, depending on where it is on the on the, on the newspaper, if it's on the front page. So, and imagine of a situation whereby they had like 20 adverts on the print on a daily basis yeah. when business was good, right? Yeah. Up to 25 adverts on the print when business was good. These people did even revenue so far of up to 14 billion in one year, right? But that, that has been declining. And right now, when we expect the, the results, we should expect much more. Worse. And the, the is the profit is, warning. They actually should have profit yes. warning. The, the, the question is, how 
can can these people generate enough revenues from the digital side to cover for these losses in the print side? Well, okay. I, I, I can't answer that one, but I'd say if you really want to look into the space, look at the recovery of the Washington Post. It was loss-making, it was suffering, until Jeff Bezos came in, he bought yeah. uh, the company, and they moved everything digital. And now the company is in good profits. If, if you view NMG and possibly Standard uh, through the lens of um, the approach that, let's say, someone like Bezos had towards that spe- uh, this specific industry, and you see that there's some um, similarities. Of course, you have to adjust for the fact that this is Kenya and you know, that's the state. <laughs> yeah, there, there may be different user sentimentality, etc. But if you see similarities, in the long run, there could be a case for a recovery for NMG. Of course, now we won't see it and it's easy to scrutinize and say, ah, this is gone. And there was a huge miscalculation. There are some miscalculations that they made along the way. Like a few years ago, they bought a, a print uh, to, inc- to make the print to make the whatever is more colorful yes. <laughs> and you're like I okay and the last time I read a newspaper I okay it, I held one <laughs> in brief in short for those of you who are just listening um in short NMG bought a printer when guys were sending emails so you'd imagine um to you as an individual it's like you using telegram uh, okay, not Telegram, the one that you're listening to. The old Telegram, the <laughs> one that we, we used yeah, to calculate yeah, mathematics. Exactly, that one that we used to cal- calculate back in mathematics. It's like you using that Telegram, and right now there's a phone where you can be able to send a text message. So NMG was late to the party, uh, but we really hope that they'll be able to pick it in. So uh, just j- just Before to cut was... Eric short, Eric, um, <laughs> so, just so that, because this is a long conversation. <laughs> Eric and Davis, we need you guys to call shots on NMG. Is it a go? Do you think NMG is really going to continue rallying? Uh, let's start with Eric. Just say your yes or no. We should no. make this interesting. No. Yes. Uh, and Davis, how about you? Uh, no, especially after uh, the announced results. So yes, uh, our bell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our bell is here. So, 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 so we are two. We are three against two. So Ali and and um and so when should we look back at when should we look at the share price and look at we can numbers? we can start as early as after the next uh, after the, the financial or even after the next podcast. You know the beauty of it is HISA provides both week week on week data and month on month data. So you know what while you guys decide all we have to do is the next podcast we're just going to look at HISA and it's going to tell us all these things. Absolutely. But then this is what I feel yeah um the the rally was because of the buyback. Um, if, if, and I think we all see where that's heading to, the results come out and it's dampening, the, the dip will definitely come. What will come after is what we, we, we don't know. I couldn't agree more, Ali. Maybe we can proceed. To, to our last discussions uh, discussion tonight, I'm sure all of us have come across the term NFT, which is non-fungible token. Yes, and and uh, I think I think NF, NFT started becoming popular when Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, decided to auction his first tweet. Yeah, I believe it went for around two point five. Two point two point six million dollars. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a lot for oh. a tweet, guys. I'm going to start selling my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to buy? <laughs> well, yeah, but for those who may not understand, um, an NFT is a token which is of course based on blockchain. It give it shows ownership of particular assets. Okay, so you can verify ownership of particular assets, and thus far the assets have been gifts, um, photos, painting, and the like. Now, it's 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 just interesting to view. For example, Christie's had an auction yesterday for art, and the art piece went for sixty nine million an NFT. What? That's a lot of money. And how people are using these things is just interesting. It looks. Like a bubble type, type of okay. thing. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe just to ask Ali, mm. uh, for those who are listening, somebody who's very interested, mentioning Jack Dorsey's tweet. Uh, what's going to happen now that the tweet has been sold? It's, it's very interesting. So, Is it going to be transferred to somebody no, else? No, no, no. So here's the thing, yeah? Assuming, of course, Felix, you have enough money to buy that tweet, you're going to own the first tweet ever. 
Mm-hmm. And um, a great conversation starter. And, and that would be, <laughs> I don't know, that looks like the one thing they should just pull in, in, in a party. I own the first tweet. And I think that brings us to sort of just understanding how NFT works. Thing is, um, they're not mutually interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So essentially, an, an NFT just gives you bragging rights. Like, this is the first tweet, and, and I own it. I bought it. Yeah, I acquired so, it. And so, I acquired so it. So that thing, anyone can look at it, whatever that thing is, if it's a 60-second video, but so apparently in the background is an owner of this thing. Of this thing, who is, in this case, Felix Ocheng. Jack, in case you ever listen to this, Felix is just an example. No, he does not own the first tweet. Uh, no, he didn't buy it. Guys, no, I own the first tweet. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, this is my question, yeah? Um, hey, what will it mean for digital creators? My my idea is, I think guys in, in, in the digital space are probably going bollocks. Um, just trying to see what is it that we can invent that, what is it that is left out there to invent? Because guys are inventing every single thing through the digital space. So I'm just always wondering, how much can we do with this digital space? We have, we all of a sudden we're starting with NFTs. Um, Sparks are here. Uh, cryptos are here. Man, the space is so big, yet so small. And we are also now seeing um uh, we're seeing uh defi is also coming in defi defi tomato tomato so that's one thing that we are really looking into how is how are this going to happen and how is the next generation or how is the current generation going to perceive this we're seeing um global investors over time and global tech uh, techpreneurs um guys like bill gates um, warren buffett charlie munger all of them having different opinions with, with these, um, with the developments within the internet space and generally the tech space. What's, what's really next? Um, um, I, I believe, just when I thought I had seen enough, now, now I'm actually thinking there's still a lot in this space that we get to see. Can I tell you something? Especially in the past few weeks, um, the, the, the major, some of the major milestones, especially for creatives, have had one thing, one person in common, Jack. Yeah. So um, Jack partnering with Tidal for for musicians, um, Jack teasing super followers for Twitter, and then Jack. Um, I I don't I don't know whether uh, Jack Jacks was the first NFT, but it was definitely the one thing that really brought NFTs to the limelight. Yeah, that's true. But also it's amazing or it's really interesting to see what Jack is trying to do with Twitter. So it's not just the, the place you'll just go and drop a tweet or anything. With the introduction with um, the newsletter. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, the, and like the clubhouse mm-hmm. aspect, spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Twitter is moving to monetize. You know, primarily how Twitter works is that people go into the platform and then they divert the traffic there to other platforms. Yeah. So now Twitter is now bringing that traffic home. So actually, future prospects are really good. Uh, no wonder people have been bullish on Twitter. It's really been up for a while and it's really been suffering over the years. But now is when it's actually st- people are starting to see the potential and what Jack is doing. Uh, in that regard, I'd, I'd actually like to read an interesting story uh, since we're talking about um, NFTs. So there, there's this call, thing called Injective Protocol. So it's a DeFi, you know, decentralized finance. Yeah. And so it builds derivatives using blockchain and the like. And so they bought a certain painting. And then what they did was that in, on a video is that uh, they actually burnt the art piece. And so their logic was they need to show that, um, what's this? They need to show that they own this thing, but you can't view it. It doesn't exist. Like that doesn't make actual logical sense. People have really ridiculed it. Imagine having a, a dinner party at you're there with your friends. They have gathered there. Then everyone's like, ah. So you tell them, ah, I have an amazing art piece I bought for three million. Ah, okay, where is it? Ah, so it doesn't exist, but I have the ownership to it. Like these rich people things. Eh? <laughs> yeah. But but then 
I'm, I'm actually happy you, happy you mentioned that. So back to NFTs again. So for example, um, especially once you, we all know that once you put something out on the internet, most likely there there are copies of it that will circulate or you know be somewhere. How will like how how will you protect sort of the value of that NFT? Given that, um, say whoever buys the first tweet owns it, but then you know we can all view it. Apart from bragging, right? How like how do we how do you make it exclusive? Uh, I think I think maybe that's that's something that we can always be able to have a discussion over early mm-hmm. about maybe let's I don't know I think it would be very interesting as well to really understand how NFTs really how are they going to really work what value are they going to bring into and then my 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 main point of concern would be how do you increase the value of an asset do you also come back to the market and auction it as well but i think because primarily that's how it's going to work in my opinion mm-hmm. but let's see or will you want to start uh, decentralizing your nft and you start telling guys you can buy x amount into my uh, into my nft more like an etf fund just just a thought really mm-hmm. but there are a lot of ways that this can work actually do you want to do you want to co-own the first tweet <laughs> <laughs> wow. actually i think that would be a great idea yeah. it's I mean, it's only one first tweet. And then they make a spark yeah. after that. Hey, yeah, yeah, all this sounds like a huge bubble that will one day collapse. <laughs> but anyway, what do I know? Pessimist <laughs> in the house. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but but let, let's see. Let's see how it goes um, in, in time. Okay. Well, I think I think that's gonna be. Uh, maybe 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 just one thing that we'd really just have a a quick wrap up as we go through is. How today the president, um, President Uhuru Kenyatta, uh, addressed the nation on a few concerns uh, for COVID-19. What are your thoughts, guys? Just share it. This is not politics, but just sharing out your thoughts. For those of us who've, who've, who've seen this, we've seen the curfew extended um, for another 30 days. We No, the curfew extended for 60 days. There's a political ban um, for gatherings for 30 days. I know, right? <laughs> Which is it, very interesting. It shows what the priorities <laughs> are, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and and, yeah. and but but still we're not seeing any um, probably like any economic impact that the com- that the government is doing or economic incentives that the government is, is, is upholding to really support businesses. So yeah, yeah to the taxes. Yeah, 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 the taxes. Actually today it was it was indicated that KRA has actually gone short um, for their pay taxes by about 52 billion yeah Yeah, so that means guys have actually lost jobs companies have restructured guys have lost jobs you'd you'd imagine what impact that is because because they can't attribute that to the 24 the 20 the guys are in 24,000 and below who are tax exempted are we headed into a recession or we are already in, in a recession because I think the same company that's paying pays for their employees the same company is supposed to make um, the annual turnover taxes by the end of this year so like they still are taxes are demanding a lot from companies which I think companies now have to like we keep you or we pay taxes and definitely we are going to pay taxes the question is who is making money in this economy well, you seen all, have you seen all these new cars? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, and buildings and stuff. But anyway, money laundering is a real thing in this country. Why? By the way, guys, if you're wondering who's making money in this country, how many cars do we have? I think the KDB registration number is almost out. Yeah, it's almost full. Like It's, it's not KDC full. next. Very soon. Because I saw a KDB ending with a Z. A That's range. Yeah. A range. Yeah, you're listening. So, but anyway, it's going to be interesting. Um, I won't really say we're on a recession because um, I still think our government is still, we've not really hit that point where we call it a recession. Mm-hmm. But I believe our revenue collection has been a little bit on the downturn. So my thoughts is we're yet to hit that recession, but maybe we touched it a bit um, sometime, but we only, we did a ping pong. Uh, on, on, on the on the recession scale, but we just touched it, the limit and then bounced. Yeah, because of the contraction last yeah. last year. But the interesting thing is that our statistics will always be a bit questionable. You know, when the government spends money, so for example, when the government takes a loan 
and then spends it on infrastructure. That's government spending. So technically, the GDP will almost always go up because the government will mostly be spending on um, infrastructure and the like. Even though majority of money that's supposed to go to development spending doesn't actually go there, it goes towards again interest expenses and uh, recurrent expenditure, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, we're not yet at a recession point. It's a hope that we don't actually get there. Yeah. But whoever will inherit this next government will really struggle and suffer because <laughs> the people will blame them for the problems. Because now it's, you'll notice that our country isn't our own. The IMF will start giving demands that you won't believe. When austerity hits, that's when it will hit you. Hey, these are real problems that we have. Then things like inflation. We have no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have BBI. Yani, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You look at our leaders, their priorities are so in order. Wow, it's, it's just amazing. But, <laughs> but, but I, think, I think one thing that we agree is that the country is really yet to hit it, uh, that point of over-recession. Maybe what we've had is a great economic contraction, mm-hmm. but not really gotten into a, a, a recession. And, and, um, and that's something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe just... To you guys as well, Ali. Do you think that today's address? Do you think there's anything that the government? Just your thoughts on the economic impact. What's going to happen next? Same old, same old. Life will move on. I feel like, you know what? I have political opinions, but I'm not so sure this is the platform to express them. Um, but the the curfew still goes on. The same way businesses were operating yesterday is the same way they will operate operate tomorrow of course with a few maybe a few shake-ups in in churches but then we're essentially maintaining and funerals and and, and funerals but we're essentially maintaining status quo on almost everything yeah but um all in all guys please keep safe um always wear your mask sanitize and stay safe that's one thing that's always we'd always advise you to do uh this covid we have a lot of strains uh, moving out in the country i think the president said about three uh, we have the South African, the Brazilian, there's a UK strain, there's now the Chinese one as well. So please keep safe, sanitize, and always just um, have your mask on. So I believe that's it for today, Ali. Anything else that we're leaving out? That's that's about it for, for today. Um, this Again, this episode is brought by our sponsors, Hisa. You guys remember I mentioned month-on-month data. If you want if you want to check out cool data on what's happening you know, in on the NSC, Download Hisa app. If you downloaded Hisa app a few weeks ago, go to the Play Store. Please update. Um, I I know guys, we've had a few a few a few challenges, but we've already fixed them. And thank you, thank you so so much to um our early access team. We really really appreciate your feedback. Uh, we we have the Mondays market where we'll be able to sit down and just have a little bit of a discussion at pre market uh, when market opens at nine thirty on Monday. We'll have a brief discussion on how markets are opening and probably what we think um, of the next week's performance on the market. Let's keep this conversation going. Uh, See you in the next episode.